Hello, this is Melanie, and I'm reading articles from today's USA Today, Friday, February 16th, 2024. Starting with the money section under the money line column, and there's just three items today. The first one, Delta flight turns back after maggots are found. A Delta Airlines flight returned to Amsterdam on Tuesday after what the airline cryptically called improperly packed carry-on baggage. Social media posts, however, suggest otherwise. The Daily Mail reported that maggots were falling from the overhead bin after a passenger brought rotting fish in their hand luggage. Flight tracker Flight Aware shows the plane, which was bound for Detroit, made it only as far as England before turning back. One passenger told the Daily Mail that affected travelers were given 8,000 extra air miles, a hotel room vouchers, and a $30 meal ticket if they were delayed overnight. Delta acknowledged the basics of the incident to USA Today. We apologize to the customers of Flight 133 on February 13th as their trip was interrupted due to an improperly packed packed carry-on bag. Second item, average tax refund is smaller so far, the IRS said. Americans on average are receiving smaller tax refunds so far in 2024. The average refund issued through February 2nd totaled $1,395, the IRS said in a press release. Last year at this time, refunds averaged $1,963. What does it mean? Maybe nothing. Tax season started later this year, January 29th, compared with January 23rd last year. That means the agency issued only 2.6 million refunds through February 2nd. Last year, at the same time, it had processed nearly 8 million. The IRS reported a strong start to filing season 2024, with all systems running well. The IRS expects more than 128.7 million individual tax returns by the April 15th deadline. If you filed electronically and chose direct deposit, your refund will probably be issued within 21 days, the IRS said. If you mailed a paper return, expect to wait like four weeks or more. United Airlines sued for burns from hot food. A family is suing United Airlines, alleging that a defective tray table led to burns and disfigurement on a flight from Tel Aviv to Newark in July 2022. Michael and Ben Pfefferman allege that their daughter, who was six years old at the time and is identified only as OF in the filing, was burned after being served a hot meal on the flight. The suit, which was filed in federal court in the Northern District of Illinois, said that OF's tray table was slanted downward, causing the meal tray to slip into her lap. The suit further alleges that the meal was unreasonably hot and that it caused for foreseeable burns. According to the filing, the Pfeffermans requested medical attention for their daughter, but were told that the plane did not have the appropriate supplies to treat burns. The Pfeffermans accused United Airlines of negligence for serving food at an unreasonably hot temperature, failing to maintain tray tables in safe working order, and for not stocking appropriate medical supplies on board. The family is suing for $75,000 for compensatory damages. United Airlines told USA Today that it does not comment on pending litigation. And yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial closed up. 
348 points to close at 38,773. New item and following that information about tax refunds. There are pros and cons to getting big tax refunds. Some say payout is cash that we could have all year. This by Medora Lee. Every tax season, millions of Americans eagerly await their refund check. It's often called the biggest payday of the year. But should it be? A refund is money that rightfully belonged to you, which the IRS has been collecting and holding all year long until you file your taxes. It's money you overpaid to the agency during the year through paycheck withholdings that the government has been able to use, but you haven't. To some taxpayers and financial experts, if your refund check is $3,000, that's money you could have had in your hands during the year that instead the government had. Others argue that having the government hold that money for you isn't bad and helps people end up saving more. What's the best thing then to do financially? It depends on what you're comfortable with and what your goals are. Here are some pros and cons. Is getting a big tax refund a good thing? No, some financial experts and taxpayers say because it means you're giving up too much of your paycheck to taxes during the year. If less is taken out for taxes, you'll get a smaller refund, but more money in each paycheck for expenses or saving and investing, they say. Some taxpayers go a step further and aim to owe the IRS money each year. My goal every year is to owe $1,000 or a bit less, said Andre Olate a software developer in Chicago. That way, I avoid paying penalties to the IRS and get to keep as much of my money as possible, even if it's in a savings account. The IRS charges you an underpayment penalty if one of the following applies. You owe less than $1,000, you paid at least 90% of the tax you owe for the year, or 100% of the tax shown on the return for the prior year, whichever is less. Can a big tax refund be good? Yes. People look forward to a big chunk of money. They expect it and use it for good, like paying down debt or savings, said Mark Steber, Chief Tax Information Officer at Tax Preparer Jackson Hewitt. Of 8,415 U.S. adults who expected a refund last year, half said they planned to put at least part of it towards savings. One-third said they would pay down debt, and 28% answered they would use it for everyday expenses, according to a survey by Prosper Insights and Analytics and the National Retail Federation, a large trade association for stores and restaurants that pulls people on their spending and saving habits. If Americans got that little extra money in their regular paychecks, they might immediately spend it instead, but a mother who gets a $180 lump sum can now make rent, Steber said. Money these people get on the single largest payday is life-changing, he said. Brick-and-mortar bank savings rates linger around 0.5%, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said. So $3,000 would have garnered you 15 extra dollars for the year, which doesn't seem so life-changing, he noted. How do I adjust my withholding if I want to manage my refund? You can use the IRS's tax withholding estimator, which will show you roughly how much you might owe or get refunded. To get an accurate estimate, make sure you have your pay stubs and your spouse's um, pay stubs, if that's applicable, and a recent tax return. 
you'll have to enter information like filing status, income and sources, current tax situation, and deductions that you're planning to take. If you decide you want to change your withholding, complete a W-4 form and submit it to your company's human resources department. You should be able to do this as many times as you want to adjust for changes in your living situation. I do some back-of-the-napkin calculations two or three times a year, said Olade, the software developer in Chicago. It's a way to make sure my paycheck deductions are on track. And attached to that article is a short one on some tips for staying financially sound. This by Russ Wiles. Inflation has slowed, but consumers still face generally higher price levels than existed a few years ago. That puts stress on household budgets, often forcing people to borrow more. Loan delinquency rates are are inching higher, though they remain at fairly modest levels. So it's safe to conclude that inflation and debt levels will remain topical for a while longer. Here are some recent tips for dealing with debt and living costs. First, pay attention to your auto insurance. Americans have battled rising costs across the board in recent years, but few categories lately have outpaced auto insurance. Nationally, full coverage policies now average $2,543 a year, according to a new Bankrate.com study. That's up $529, or 26%, over the past year, at a time when overall inflation has been closer to 3%. To save money, it's smart to compare policy prices perhaps once a year or so. Other factors that can help keep a lid on insurance prices include opting for high deductibles and maintaining a clean driving record. A few, if any, accidents, speeding tickets, lapses in coverage, or especially citations for driving under the influence. Bankrate.com also recommends getting an insurance price quote before purchasing a new vehicle, as more expensive and flashier models can be more expensive to insure, and pay attention to maintaining or boosting your credit score. Scoring is one tool that insurers use to set the rates, and despite a controversial reputation, it's allowed in most states. But while credit scores are built to predict the odds of a person becoming delinquent on loans, insurance scores are focused more on predicting losses or claims and thus typically aren't used in isolation. Scores on the widespread FICO scale range from a poor 579 and below, fair 580 to 669, good 670 to 739, and very good, 740 to 799, and excellent, 800 to 850 uh, scores. Avoid overdraft fees. Consumers pressured by inflation and other expenses sometimes incur overdraft fees to make payments, which can get expensive. Overdraft fees are charged by banks and credit unions that temporarily cover a transaction when consumers overdraw their accounts. Some institutions also levy non-sufficient funds fees when they decline to cash a check, which would result in a negative balance on an account. Most fees were charged on transactions of $24 or less and primarily borne by lower-income consumers, according to the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB. If the proposal is implemented, 
the agency expects bank and credit union customers could save $2 billion annually. Overdraft fees are incurred by a relatively small proportion of banking customers, though these are often the people who struggle the most. Far too many banks continue to pad their profits by collecting steep overdraft fees from those least able to afford it, said Chuck Bell, Advocacy Program Director at Consumer Reports, which has studied this issue. Bank overdraft services are essentially short-term lending programs with extremely high interest rates. Even so, the federal CFPB has proposed more protections. The agency might require banks and credit unions with assets exceeding $10 billion to disclose overdraft fees expressed as an interest rate so consumers can better understand the costs in that way. The proposal would also give large banks the option of charging a fee in line with their actual cost, typically in the range of 3 to $14. The American Bankers Association contends the new regulations aren't needed, accusing the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau of conjuring up a bank fee that the Bureau itself concedes few, if any, banks charge. Pay down your credit card balances. Americans continue to borrow across the board, and more strains are showing up. Overall, household debts reached $17.5 trillion in the fourth quarter. With delinquency rates rising, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York reported, Mortgages account for the lion's share of indebtedness, but credit card and auto loan balances are becoming more problematic. About 0.8% of mortgages became 90 or more days late during the fourth quarter, compared to 2.7% of auto loans and 6.4% of credit cards. This signals uh, increased financial stress, especially among younger and lower-income households, said Wilbert Vanderclaw, economic research advisor at the New York Fed, in a statement. Roughly half of all households pay their credit card balances in full, but lofty interest rates are putting a strain on those who can't. High inflation and high interest rates are a big part of the story, said Ted Rossman, senior industry analyst at Bankrate.com, which pegs the average credit card rate at a record high of 20.74%. He urges indebted consumers to pay down lingering card balances, one tip worth heeding. Look for balance transfer offers. Some card companies will let you move and consolidate higher cost debts into accounts offering introductory rates as low as 0% for as long as 21 months. And lastly, compare your budget to your area. Americans tend to speak of inflation as if it's a monolithic number, yet living costs vary greatly. To illustrate regional differences and to help people assess whether their own budgets are in line with their neighbors, the Economic Policy Institute has unveiled a family budget calculator with 2023 data for all counties and metro areas across the nation. The calculator estimates seven basic expense categories, housing, food, transportation, child care, health care, taxes, and other basic necessities for 10 family types, one or two adults with zero to four children. San Francisco topped the list as the most expensive metro area with a basic budget of $181,277 a year for a two-parent, two-child household. 
Holmes County, Mississippi, had the lowest average expenses of $76,455 for the same family configuration, two parents and two children. In Arizona, the same budget in Metro Phoenix would run $107,866, higher than in Tucson, which is 93000 but lower compared to Flagstaff, Arizona, at 116000 New item. Jeff Bezos sold $4 billion of his Amazon stock holdings, this by Bailey Schultz. One of the wealthiest men in the world now has a lot more cash on hand. Jeff Bezos has been unloading Amazon stock at a pretty fast clip, selling nearly 25 million shares worth $4 billion since February 7th, and there's likely more to come. Amazon's latest annual report noted that the executive chair plans to sell a total of 50 million shares totaled by January 31st of 2025, so next year. Experts say the sales make sense. Amazon's share price is up, and Bezos' recent move from Seattle to Miami means he can sell without worrying about Washington State's new capital gains tax. If it's an optimal time to make this move, said Neil Saunders, managing director of analytics company Global Data. Why now? Amazon's stock price has soared. Shares of the e-commerce company are up about 70% over the past year, outpacing the S&P 500, which gained about 20% during that time. Saunders said this allowed the Amazon founder to cash out at a high nearly three times nearly three years after stepping down as the CEO. As just an executive chair, Bezos focuses more on new products and early initiatives. This is part of the process of stepping back from Amazon, Saunders said. It doesn't mean deserting it. He'll always be the founder, but he's no longer running that business. So I think this is part of him loosening his ties with Amazon and allowing Amazon to stand more on its own two feet. And with most of Bezos' wealth tied to Amazon, it makes sense to diversify his holdings, according to Michael Roberts, the William H. Lawrence Professor of Finance at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business. From a risk management standpoint, that's not a good strategy, putting all your eggs in one basket, he said. Bezos sold the stock shortly after he snapped up property in Florida. The billionaire in November said he would be moving to be closer to family and the operations of his Blue Origin Rocket Company, and because he and his fiance Lauren Sanchez, love Miami. The move to Florida also allows Bezos to avoid Washington State's new 7% capital gains tax, which applies to the sale of assets like stocks and bonds worth more than $250,000, and we know his was worth more than that. Until the recent flurry of Amazon share sales, Bezos had last sold the stock in 2021. That was before the new state tax, which took effect the following year in 22. Before then, the Amazon founder had sold Amazon stock regularly to finance projects like Blue Origin. Waiting until his move to Florida to offload more shares has likely already saved Bezos an estimated $288 million. Amazon did not respond to a request for comment from USA Today. 
is this level of offloading normal? Well, yes and no. Saunders said it's quite usual for a company founder holding a large number of shares to offload from time to time. But $4 billion is a big number, no matter how you look at it. It underlines the strength of Amazon, he said. You can dispose of quite a high volume without having it have any impact on the share price. If Amazon's price was on shakier footing, Saunders said there would be fewer people willing to pick up the shares, which would hurt the stock price. Bezos is expected to offload another 25 million-plus shares under the pre-scheduled selling plan worth another $4 billion at today's stock price. The sale would still leave Bezos with more than 900 million Amazon shares. My goodness, this is such a small fraction of his overall wealth, even though it's a very big number, said Roberts of the University of Pennsylvania. It's not as if he's trying to liquidate all his Amazon holdings. This is small potatoes for him. He's worth almost $200 billion, in which case we're talking about 2% of his wealth. What does Bezos' share sale mean for Amazon? Very little, actually, according to Saunders. It's not as if Jeff Bezos is selling these shares because he doesn't have confidence in the company anymore, he said. It's just someone that is cashing out their share holding, which is very understandable. Amazon's share price on Wednesday closed up 1.39% to $170.98 a share. What is Bezos buying with $4 billion? As for where that $4 billion is going, that's anyone's guess. Saunders said he doesn't expect Bezos to buy Florida property because he has more than enough money to do that already. The 60-year-old has already purchased two mansions in Indian Creek Village, one of the richest neighborhoods in the country. And now some news from the Lifetime section. Under the Lifeline column, short item, Making Waves, Hillary Swank. On Valentine's Day, Hillary Swank shared personal news ahead of her new movie called Ordinary Angels in theaters next week, February 23rd. I have a busy week of talk shows ahead where I'll be sharing about my new film and a fun partnership, but I figured what better day to share the names of my two little loves with you all first. She captioned an Instagram photo of her twins sitting on a beach with their names spelled out in the sand. Aya and Om. Last Easter, the actress announced she and entrepreneur Philip Schneider welcomed twins, but she hadn't shared their names. And who's having a birthday today? Uh, Ice T, the actor from Law and Order SVU, is 66. New item and good news if you're uh, a uh, Blue Bloods watcher. Um, this heading is under the heading of television. Selleck isn't ready to close the book on Blue Blood yet. This by Brian Alexander. Ventura County, California. Tom Selleck isn't ready to bid farewell to Blue Bloods. On a cold, rainy January day at his 65-acre ranch, about 40 miles west of Los Angeles, the TV icon who just turned 79 
at the end of January, won't discuss farewells or emotional endings, even after CBS announced in November that Blue Bloods was ending its run following its 14th season. Selleck, an executive producer who stars as Police Commissioner Frank Reagan, the procedural's patriarch, wants to continue the business of making TV episodes that have made Blue Bloods a Friday night staple for its loyal loyal, older fan base. And if these fans speak out to improbably change CBS executives' minds after Blue Bloods kicks off season 14 on Friday, so be it. I see a lot of very upset people out there. We'll see what happens, Selleck said, of the looming exit after a split season that resumes that resumes in the fall for eight final episodes. Even if Blue Bloods ends, it won't be drawn out. Whatever happens, it's not going to be a whole season of endless soap operas winding down. Retirement, whether Reagan's own or Reagan's or his own, is the furthest thing from Selleck's mind as he pulls up to his 1910 hunting lodge in a camouflage Can-Am Defender off-road vehicle. There are no handlers, just Selleck stepping in from the rain wearing unzipped fleece and a denim shirt. Smiling through his famed and still robustly dark mustache, he apologizes for being late to the interview. He's actually early due to a weather-related delay on his short commute from the property's big house nearby, where Selleck lives with Jilly, his wife of thirty, <coughs> excuse me, 36 years. Since Blue Bloods premiered in September 2010, Selleck has commuted to New York City to shoot his scenes with an ensemble cast that features Donnie Wahlberg, Bridget Moynihan, Len Carew, Will Estes as a multi-generational family of NYPD cops, with Moynihan playing the one legal outlier in the district attorney's office. At the time, lasting four seasons, 14 seasons, wasn't even conceivable, said Selleck, but the family-centered drama became a steady ratings magnet. Selleck found that rare second-long-running hit after Magnum P.I. ended on CBS in 1988 after an eight-year run. We really started catching on and found our groove in Blue Bloods somewhere in the first season, said Selleck. I said to myself, I can't be this lucky twice. He credits the contributions of producer Leonard Goldberg, who perfected the Blue Bloods formula of the intertwining family storylines, all coming together at the centerpiece Sunday Reagan family meal at Widower Frank's house. Goldberg died in 2019. That's too bad. That meal at the end of the episode and Leonard's gift of casting are probably why we're still around, said Selleck, who relishes playing the respected figure at the head of the table. I love the role, and he's not done. I'm not done, and I think there's plenty of room for the show. There was a very different departure journey with Magnum P.I., which made Selleck a household name in the 1980s as the Detroit Tigers baseball cap-clad private eye in Hawaii. Selleck had to be convinced to return for a seventh and then a final eighth season. The private star yearned to start a family in Los Angeles, secretly marrying his second wife, actress Jilly Mack, in 1987. It was like a commando mission. We were proud to keep it secret for 30 days, he said. After being forced to turn down prized roles such as Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark due to his Magnum role, Selleck also had a sizzling movie career with 1987's hit comedy Three Men and a Baby. 
Whenever somebody mentions that Magnum was canceled, I'm always quick to point out that Magnum was never canceled. CBS never would have done that. It was wildly successful, said Selleck. I wasn't tired of it. I was tired from it because I was in, I was in every shot. Plus, I had done the number one movie in the world, and so I guess it was time. Selleck continued to produce and starred in passion projects as the troubled New England police chief Jesse Stone in nine TV movies. He also earned Friends Immortality with his recurring role from 1995 to 2000 as the much older love interest to Monica, played by Courtney Cox. But he acknowledges having regrets about ending Magnum. It was the right decision, said Selleck, but still it's impossible not to have some lingering thoughts. Magnum P.I. started afresh with a 2018 reboot starring Jay Hernandez as Thomas Magnum with twists that included turning the character Jonathan Higgins, originally played by John Hillerman, into a love interest and investigating partner Juliet Higgins, played by Perdita Weeks. Selleck's silence about the remake and his notable absence from the remake spoke volumes during the five-season run that ended in January. There was no way I was going to do a cameo. All they're doing is getting the old stars to say, this is okay, said Selleck. The show was a real dilemma. I said I wasn't going to say anything bad about it while it's on, but I didn't want anything to do with it. Selleck compared watching the new show to the plight of his neighbor, who put his heart and soul into building a beautiful stable house, but then declined to assist the next buyer's total redesign of his perfect home. Selleck recalls the neighbor told the new owner, That's very nice, but you don't understand. No matter what you do, I'm going to hate it. That's how it was with me, he said. I didn't like the show. It's over now, so I can say that. The actors are on to other things, so good for them. This is Melanie saying thanks again for listening and signing off.